Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Appreciate you sitting in with me. And uh, thus far, been some good stuff. Talking a little NFL, talking some college basketball, which is in deep, deep doo-doo right now. But now it's time for some college football. Thank goodness. Yeah, man. We're going to also have Brett McMurphy come up later in the hour to talk some uh, football as well. He's college football insider and see how everything that's occurring currently with college basketball, how that could uh, may affect college football. We mentioned uh, that uh, Bobby Petrino there in Louisville uh, may be looking for a, for a way out after the guy who gave him a second chance there with the Cardinals. When Bobby uh, Petrino ousted. is looking for a way out, you know you've ruined and soiled <laughs> your reputation forever. Well, last, you guys are dirty around here. i got to get out of here. Last time he was looking for a way out was when he was a head coach of the Falcons, and he just left. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't have to look Petrino's for Petrino's fueling up his motorcycle as we speak. <laughs> He should probably stay off of motorbikes. How about that, dog? Didn't go so well the last time he was on one. But some good games uh, this week. We have Georgia-Tennessee. Now, Tennessee I like that game. Not playing that well last week versus UMass. Wasn't a stellar performance. But it's in Knoxville. It's in Knoxville. They lack passion, energies. Talked to uh, Bush Jones, their head coach, last night on Inside College Football over on CBS Sports Network. And he and I am sure everyone would agree that uh, the, uh, the team uh, will showcase better passion and energy are they going to really get embarrassed by this Georgia team that just clobbered Mississippi State after Mississippi State clobbered LSU and they shut down Nick Fitzgerald guy who's been averaging about 260 total yards of offense he's averaged four touchdowns per game coming into this one and he only amassed 130 and no touchdowns in that beatdown they took from Georgia but Tennessee I'm not so sure Quentin Dormady can be that that dual threat guy they want him to be. They got some RPOs in this offense. Larry Scott, the new OC there at Tennessee. I think they just need to go with what he is. His skill set is a conventional drop back passer. You got to dial up those type of plays. I think that's I think that's a good idea as well. Uh, this one is interesting to me, not because Tennessee is as good as Georgia. They're not. Except Georgia has the reputation forever of losing in a big spot. Mm -hmm. And Georgia is so talented. I've spoken to some people around college football, and they said, you know, Georgia's the one team in the SEC that man-to-man, talent-wise, can match up against Alabama. Now, they're not there from a program development standpoint. They haven't played in those SEC championship games yet. Uh, Kirby Smart hasn't obviously been there very long. But from a talent standpoint, they've got all the pieces. If Georgia plays to its potential, it should not only win this game by two or three touchdowns, it should beat almost everybody in its schedule by two or three touchdowns. It should be the beast of the SEC East. But Georgia will always have that stigma of you haven't done it until you do it. And I think about Clemson. Dabo inherited the same type of situation. Clemson always lost in a big spot. But Dabo ripped up that narrative and said, you know, look at our games against top 25. Look at our games against top five. Look at our playoff and bowl and he, and he kind of shredded that idea right. so that we couldn't talk about it anymore and kept pointing to those big wins. But then, of course, when you go to the college football playoff and win a championship, it's a whole different story. Right. Georgia's trying to get 
to what Dabble was doing three or four years ago at Clemson. And this is a good spot for them to prove that they can do it. This is a, a great spot. And I think Georgia, defensively speaking, and I said this Tuesday on Inside College Football, they are Bama defense east yeah. because the way they swarm you, the way they run so around, the athletic. way they strike you. Oh. Yeah. Roquan Smith at linebacker, Lorenzo Carter at linebacker, Bellamy at linebacker, that secondary, Aaron Davis. Uh, uh, these guys, the big boys up front, Trent Thompson and, and, and Ledbetter, uh, they fly around, they hit you in the mouth. So that defense is is, is similar, very similar, and, and, and it resembles what Kirby Smart led there at Alabama on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, Jake Fromm doesn't play like a freshman. Uh, this guy, I think, started the game the other night, eight for eight. Uh, of course, the first play of the game, he throws that flea flicker uh, fl- flea flicker pass uh, to Terry Godwin. So uh, he has that, that moxie and that confidence that you want in your quarterback, and it just comes wrapped in a freshman package, but he doesn't play like one. Uh, so I, I think they're getting their uh, Chubb and Michelle, this running game. They have been stellar. So I, I agree. They have stubbed their toe in years past. Just when you started to believe in Georgia, they'd go into a game like this that they should win by double digits and they would lose on the flip side. Tennessee struggling on their offensive line. John Kelly is a beast, though. Awesome. This guy is is tremendous. Awesome. He's a superstar. He's going to play on Sundays. It. Oh, he's definitely well. going to play three down back. Yeah, uh, and they use him in that, that that passing game. But some other guys need to emerge as stars. That offensive line needs to protect better. I don't see him doing that this week. Defensively, they've got some holes there because of injuries once again. So this is going to be a tough one for Tennessee. And and now you know the, the faithful there in, in Knoxville are getting a little impatient with with Butch Jones, but I, he just can't keep a healthy team. Last year, all the attrition after the miracle comebacks they had early in the season, and then they just started going down like flies. This was one of the games of the year last year to the SEC. Mm-hmm. Remember, that was Jacob Eason, Ooh. I mean, just throwing that dart, touchdown, oh my goodness, George is going to win uh, at home between the hedges, and then Tennessee comes back yeah. and gets the miracle as well. So Jawan this game, Jennings. Yeah, last year this was an amazing game. I think that Butch Jones is a good coach, not a great coach, and probably perfect for where Tennessee needed to be after Derek Dooley, after Lane Kiffin, to just get respectable again. I mean, he's won mm-hmm. nine games the last two years. Yeah. But is Tennessee going to win the SEC East? No. And the issue is that at this point now, Tennessee fans expect to get back to the Georgia Dome. Now Mercedes-Benz. They've got to get back to Atlanta so I think that Butch, yeah, this is tough because he could end up going through the season and actually overachieve maybe with eight wins or nine wins, but he's always going to be under pressure because once again, they're not going to be the, be the best team on that side, of the, that side of the SEC. And the SEC East has been up for the taking the last three years. Thank you. And Tennessee has not been right. able to capitalize right. on and, it. And, and the reason uh, that people are very impatient is that fact right there. The SEC East has not... It couldn't hold a candle to the West. Yeah. And so it, it's been ripe for picking, and Tennessee hasn't been able to do that. You've seen a Florida team with just a listless offense, dynamite defense, uh, win back-to-back SEC championships. And, and so Mizzou Tennessee won, one, Mizzou won I mean, a couple. Two of them. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and so for Tennessee not to be in that number, I think it's just Bush's uh, fourth year, fourth or fifth year there at, at Tennessee. So you get – that laid into your tenure at a, at, a, at the school, and you still don't have you don't have a SEC 
appearance, not a championship, not even an appearance yeah. in the SEC championship game, people are going to become Last highly year impatient. Needed to be that year they got yeah. to Atlanta because that was their best team. Yeah, I agree. Then they they just the injuries befell this this football team, and and of course we know what happened after that. You mentioned Clemson, another big ball game. Clemson going on the road to Vitek. They've already knocked off Auburn. They Huge went on the game. road and beat uh, Lamar Jackson and, and Louisville, and now Vitek. I like Clemson in this one. I think it's going to be a close one. Vitek has some injuries in that secondary. They may be playing a lot of young guys back there, and, and Kelly Bryant has been uh, he, he's been a great uh, player thus far. You look at his passing numbers, maybe not so much. Two touchdowns, uh, three interceptions, but seven rushing touchdowns. Uh, this guy, it doesn't look too big for him, just like it doesn't look too big for Jake Fromm, but he's a, a, a junior, redshirt junior, uh, taking over for the great Deshaun Watson, uh, but that defense for Clemson. That's what sets them apart. 16 or 17 sacks in the big ball games versus Auburn versus Louisville. It's interesting because Clemson should win this game by a touchdown. They're that much better than almost everybody else in the nation outside of Alabama. And so Virginia Tech's a good team. They're a top 15 team. Clemson should win. That's what they're favored by seven, seven and a half. But when you go to Lane Stadium at night, national TV, Weird things have always happened. I mean, Frank Beamer made a career on the upset of the big boy in the Big East or the yep. ACC coming into Lane Stadium on a Thursday night or a Saturday night and and popping them. And Clemson is an elite defense, an elite defense. But Justin Fuente has an ability to get the most out of his guys on Saturdays, even if they're not as talented as the opponent. So I think it's going to be a really good game. And... You know, for Clemson, Dexter Lawrence and those guys on defense. Christian Wilkins. It's amazing yeah. that Clemson has always been about offensive playmakers. It was always about C.J. Spiller and Taj Boyd and uh, go down to Sammy Watkins. And now that defense probably has five or six NFL players Listen, every since I've been watching Clemson, it seems like they've always had – Great defensive lineman. They've always churned yeah. those guys out, uh, and and those those uh, terrific wide receivers and 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 running backs as well. But the D lineman, it seems like that's always been a mainstay uh, at, at at Clemson. And I don't know how to. It's like they're like Clemson to and D lineman are like Georgia and running backs. Yeah. I think they just grow them. They got some fertilizer they sprinkle, and <laughs> boom, here's another uh, defensive end or defensive tackle that's going to transition to the next level. Uh, Josh Jackson, his quarterback uh, there at, at Vodtech, the freshman quarterback, he has played fairly well yeah. uh, this year. He, Cam Phillips has been his main target, 11 touchdowns. Five of those have gone to the wide receiver, Cam Phillips. But the thing that I like about this Vitek team, they're, they're rush, running the ball. They're averaging over 200 yards a game rushing. They haven't done that since 2009. So they're going to definitely have to have some balance on offense to take the heat off of this quarterback. But good luck with that going up against uh, this defense. A big one tonight, USC going yeah. up against the number one defense in the Pac-12, Washington State. Yeah, How is it possible Mike Leach has the number <laughs> one defense that? in the yes. Pac-12? The Pirate. <laughs> the Pirate has the number one defense. And watch this guy, Hercules Mata'afa. Uh, he leads them in tackles for loss. He, he's a damn good player out there on the edge for, for Washington State. But USC hadn't been running the rock like they did in the first couple of ball games versus my Longhorns. They only had 71 yards uh, rushing. Last week they were just over 100 versus Cal, uh, and they won the turnover battle 6-2 to two versus Cal because that game was tight. It was tight, I believe, at halftime. Uh, and then they, they, they were able to separate. Front of Darnold has thrown a pick in each game. Uh, he had... 
doubled up on him, but he only threw one last week. So let's see if he can get right going up against this number one defense and the number 12 pass defense in all the uh, the land. And Luke Falk Summer saying he's the better quarterback in this matchup. This is, this is upset alert because Washington State at home, Wazoo, has a defense that can hang, okay? Mm-hmm. So yep. it should keep it close. Number two, Luke Falk is a veteran quarterback. He's been under Mike Leach's system for a while now. They throw it all over the lot. And I think that USC has looked largely very inconsistent in every game they played. Sam Darnold would look great for three drives and then look like dog food for three drives. Yeah. And, and USC's offense is about him. Washington State hasn't lost yet. They're a top 20 team as well. They're at home, national TV, and they've got an, a quarterback and a defense. I think Wazoo can pull the upset tonight, and I worry sometimes about USC being completely focused on the task at hand for three hours on Saturday. I am taking the upset as well, and uh, I think uh, SC be on upset notice. And matter of fact, the last time they lost a the game, because they've won now 13 straight, Last time they lost was September 23rd, 24th, I believe, and that was at Utah. Darnold's first start. Should have won that ballgame. Had three crucial turnovers in that one. And uh, so it's been well over a year since they lost the ball game, and, and I think they should be on notice going up there to Pullman where no doubt. all kinds of crazy stuff uh, happens. Another game I like, I, we mentioned Mississippi State, the beatdown they took, but going to Auburn, let's see if they can right the ship. I like this Auburn defense. Uh, they didn't play so well. Well, the offense definitely didn't versus Mercer two weeks ago, but last week they did what you should do and what everyone's doing now to Missouri. That team is just in a bad, bad Awful. state uh, uh, currently, and everyone's beating up on them. But uh, we'll see if Nick Fitzgerald can get back uh, on the right track and Eris Williams at the running back position going up against a very tough and legitimate defense there at Auburn. They, remember, they held Clemson to only 14 points. Their offense didn't give them any help in that ball game, allowing 11 sacks. Yeah, I still don't know what we got in Mississippi State because they looked so good against LSU. And you said, mm-hmm. okay, well, Mississippi State, all right, they're legit. I mean, they just blew out the Tigers by 30 points. And yet... They weren't supposed to do much coming into the season and then didn't look good last week as well. And I almost wonder, was that just one really good night where it all came together and they blew the doors off LSU? Auburn's the better football team here. They're at home and they're on the plains. And Auburn's defense is very, very good, as you said. They're athletic, they're fast, they get around. If Auburn is legitimate as the second-best team of the SEC West and maybe the SEC altogether... They've got to avoid matchups like this where they stub their toe because they need to make sure they stack their wins for the Iron right, Bowl. Right. If they are a game or two behind Alabama for the Iron Bowl, then it sucks all that juice out of it. They've got to make sure they, they go toe-to-toe each and every week. They can afford one loss, obviously. But they can't afford two. And they've got Georgia later on in the season, Veterans Day weekend. Yeah. So that's a huge matchup. So. This is one of those games where Auburn can't take their foot off the gas. I, I would agree with that. Now, you said you had something to say about my the head coach at my alma mater. The Longhorns won last night 17-7 final score. They're in Ames, as I mentioned uh, as we were going to break. The last time they ventured into Jack Trice Stadium, uh, they left a goose egg up on the scoreboard. How about Jack Trice Stadium? Uh, and I think I, was, I wasn't aware of this until early in the week, and then they, they discussed this on the broadcast last night. Steve Levy, and I believe it was Brian Greasy with him. Uh, Jack Trice Stadium, the only stadium in college football, or any stadium for that matter, I believe, that's named after uh, a, a, a black person. No, Really? Yeah, because Joe Louis Arena, that's still is that still up? I know they have a new arena there in Detroit. But, yeah, I don't know. But in, in college football land, the only stadium 
named after a black person is Jack Trice Stadium. And Jack Trice uh, played there and died from football injuries he sustained way back, I think it was 1920, 1930 when he played there at, at Iowa State. It's a and, great fact. Yeah. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not surprised, but uh, uh, interesting uh, a nugget there. But your thoughts on Tom Herman? Well... I think he's the beneficiary of so much dirty work and grunt work that Charlie Strong had done. Charlie Strong had wiped clean the mess that had been left under Mac Brown, and it took him years to finally get it back. He finally started recruiting the type of players he wanted. They lost to Kansas last year. They didn't turn the corner as dramatically as people wanted, and so, okay, I couldn't defend Charlie anymore after the Kansas loss. However, I thought if you gave him this year, Charlie would win with these guys. Tom Herman steps in, I think, to a perfect situation where the expectations aren't high. He's got a long leash, but he's got a steady, good foundation of a mm-hmm. team. In a Big 12, let's face it, where Oklahoma and Oklahoma State might be the, the cream of the crop, but they still have their issues as well, specifically on defense. So last night for Herman to go to Iowa State, and yes, it's on the road, conference games on the road, national TV will be tough. But Texas can't be beating Iowa State by 10 points. They can't be putting up only a field goal in the entire second half. Texas has too many athletes and too much talent to have to struggle with Iowa State. Now, look, granted the Cyclones are getting a little bit better, but that is arguably the worst or second worst Power 5 job in America. Kansas (laughs) might be the worst. Okay, Baylor's tough as well, but at least you're in Texas. You know, Boston College, Syracuse, not great as well. Northwestern is tough, although they're winning Cal, but... You know, when you look at Iowa State, that might be the single worst job at a Power Five conference. <laughs> and you and you're Texas, and you're struggling with the Cyclones. Listen, uh, Matt Campbell has those guys playing hard. They were in a huge fight with Iowa early in the season. They, and were. they probably should have won that ball game, yeah. uh, but didn't. And and they they've got some good uh, recruits. And that Park kid who, who starts at quarterback, former Georgia. Uh, player, uh, or at least was on the roster. I don't know if he, he never saw the field, and he transferred from Georgia. So they're, they're getting some solid recruits in there. And Paul Rose, remember when he was there, he had them turning and, and trending the right direction and, until they weren't. So uh, Texas, still a lot of young players, not to make excuses, but the offense didn't look great there in that ball game. They've had, they lost three of their best blockers on the offensive line. Of course, Connor Williams being the biggest one uh, at the tackle position, Elijah uh, Rodriguez and and Andrew Beckett at, at tight end. Defensively, I think they're they're coming into their own. They are flying around. They're hitting people like it's no one's business. So they're getting there on that side of the ball. But they don't have enough offense currently to compete in the Big 12 for a Big 12 title. So I'm in agreement there. And Herman had to really empty out the playbook against USC to keep that thing close. And he was trying everything. I mean, yeah. every trick play he got, every shift in the formation – so he's trying to be creative, which I appreciate, but it's just tough because I thought that Texas was poised if they kept Charlie Strong for this year to be a really good year. Mm-hmm. And they're 2-2, two and two, and we know what happened against Maryland. They lost a tough game against USC, so I give them credit there. But last night, it's it's kind of it, – it, it doesn't feel like a win when you go to Iowa State and only put up a field goal in the second half. No, I, I'm with you. I, I would agree. They've got to come up with something on that offense. And I don't think Shane Bouchelle is a guy – we were just talking about Quentin Dormady there at Tennessee running the RPOs. Uh, Shane Bouchelle, where he's a little bit more athletic than Dormady, his body's so fragile. He, he was beaten up last night. So it would be interesting to see the injury report 
uh, this week as they get ready for Kansas State, a very physical football team that has owned Texas since Texas joined the Big 12. Uh, and, and, and so that's going to be uh, – I, I think it, it'll be dicey as to whether or not he, he, he plays in this one. Ellinger, the, the freshman – a lot more athletic and, and more adept at, at running the ball as a quarterback than Shane Bouchelle, but they wanted to go with the guy who has a lot more games under his belt uh, and, and you know, he played okay, had a pick, throwing back across his body in the middle of the field, but he's not as, as athletic as his, his backup. Uh, D.A. sitting in for G.O. here on G.O. and Jones. We're on the tugboat, not the mothership. Hong, hong. <laughs> we'll be right back with some more sports for you folks. Keep up with the latest on the show on Twitter at Geo and Jones. Dover International Speedway, the track is nicknamed the Monster Mile, was built in 1969. Mm. I was one year old. Boy, do that again. Come on. That's music to my ears, DA, man. That get me. That makes me moist, there. Who do I like? I'm going to give you two, bogus. Two. two. That's it. Two. How'd you do last week? I won. I win every week. Mm. No, I didn't win last week. Uh, Kyle Busch won, I believe, that uh, the race last week. One of them did. Didn't he win? Yeah, Kyle won. He won twice. He won, he won the uh, Infinity Race. He don't know. Anyway, Kyle Busch is uh, my favorite, and Brad Keselowski is my favorite as well. For this one, Advanced Auto Parts introduces Speed Perks. Spend 100 20 off your next qualified purchase. No cards to carry. No points to keep track of. No nonsense. And make sure you, uh, when you go to the race, take your Confederate flag. Oh, there it is. That is not outlawed, but if you uh, dare speak out against America in any manner and is it perceived as offending the American flag, uh, you're not allowed. But that Confederate flag, bring that all you want. It doesn't denote hatred. That's just, that's heritage. Hey, just as a pro tip for the next time you're in charge, I would take a beat. Did not take let a beat? Some, let some air between the <laughs> sponsored read oh. and then the soapbox. Well, you know, just thinking what, out loud. That's why they don't let me do it. There, there you go, right there. Mm-hmm. That's th- what I happens with a tugboat. I think there's <laughs> anything. There's goes. No rules on tugboat. I think there's a beat in, in there. International waters, so there's no. There's My, no Mikey loss. B is great at splicing stuff. He can he can find a beat in there. You got this, Mike, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let Pete edit it and see what happens. <laughs> Pete's gonna leave it in there. I want y'all to get him. Get him. Yeah, it'll be in there. Oh, my bad. You know, in my haste to take a shot at Richard Childress, car owning NASCAR, and. And Richard Petty, their asinine comments. Yeah, so my bad. Junior's gotten a little loose, though, on social Junior media. Junior pushed back. And, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. I'm a huge NASCAR fan, and, and when I had a lot more time on my hands, I would watch each and every race. And, and I re- recall back in early 2000s, uh, Fox, during their race broadcast, they would have a little segment, 10 laps with a, with, with a driver. And, and Junior said this. And I think it was lost on a lot of people. He said, and they asked him, you know, things that people may not know about you. And one of the things he said was uh, how annoyed I am when people come up to me and say racist things. That was one of his comments during that 10 laps with the driver. So he is a guy that has uh, always uh, been more than open to share his thoughts on racial issues at least in that little little segment, he definitely did, and and I was taken aback. I didn't really want the junior just say that, and, and he did, and he did uh, provide some pushback to the comments by Richard Childress and, and Richard Petty uh, this this uh, past week as well. So good for him, even though he he roots for the wrong uh, football team, Washington Redskins. But good for him. That's to, kind uh, of interesting. I, do you think he would be open about pushing back on NASCAR if he wasn't retiring? 
I guess he has enough stature now to. Yeah, I, I think he would. He would also do it if if he hadn't. Uh, if he wasn't hanging up his uh, his helmet uh, and his race suit, I, I think he would still. I, we, we let's get him on the show and ask him, Mikey B. See if we can uh, get him on here and 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 ex- get him to expound on his comments. Yeah, I mean. It's obviously really rare because so much of NASCAR's your stability is because of sponsors. It's so it's, yeah. you're so tied. You have such a financial interest. It's not like if you just go out there as you're a football player, you're employed by the team. If you score your touchdowns or do your job, you know, in a lot a lot of ways, everything will be uh, ignored because you're you're employed by the team. But in NASCAR, it's so much about sponsorship money oh, that I think everything. That's, that's why they're so worried about yep. uh, you know that type of pushback, right? And so it, it could mean money drying up. So that's a significant piece of this puzzle. But for Junior, who was the most popular driver on the circuit for years. Year maybe, in and year out. Maybe he had built up enough uh, cachet to where he could, you know, kind of politically say whatever he wanted. I don't know. True. But it's and, interesting. And, and you, you're right. Uh, the fact that he is uh, retiring may play a part into this. But uh, having just shared with you that little tidbit from way back when, yeah, when he mentioned like, that, I, I don't I don't think uh, – it has as much to do with yeah. his, his him being outspoken uh, as we might think it does. Uh, Andrew Bogish is back. Borgish, uh, give us an update, buddy. Sure, Brian. So after turnover... Number two. Tony Romo <laughs> began speculating about a Bears QB change last night on CBS, but Mike Lennon played all of Thursday Night Football Lambo even after giveaway... Number four. Number one thing we obviously have to fix is, is the turnovers because, you know... I'm not giving our, our, our team a chance um, when you turn the ball over like that. The Packers scored 21 points off those turnovers, coasting to a 35-14 win. Four touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers for the first time since 1933. His Packers lead the all-time series with the Bears now 95-94 to with six ties. Running back Ty Montgomery and wideout Devontae Adams, the newest names on the Packers' long injury list. Montgomery might have broken ribs in the first quarter. Adams... Took a nasty helmet to helmet. I don't think I hit him in the helmet, but you know I leave that up to those guys. Yeah, us guys. I don't you did. I hit him in the helmet. Uh, yeah. Okay. How could you miss that one? <laughs> you actually, your face smashed into his face. Wow. I Maybe didn't the, think I hit is him the, the face mask. Not your helmet. Is that? My God. I mean, you know, it's one thing to want the league to go soft on you. It's another thing to yeah. be Rick Pitino and just openly <laughs> lie about what had just happened. I'm shocked. I am shocked and amazed that my helmet made contact with his helmet. <laughs> I, don't I don't know how I got helmet. there. Yeah. I think it was my elbow. At yeah. this point, blame it on somebody else. Right. Like, I'm pretty sure that was like Mike Singletary that hit him. Yeah. Like just shift blame completely <laughs> off myself. There you go. Yeah. That was Brian Early. <laughs> Adams, oh, I'm sorry. He retired. Yeah, uh, Adams left the field on a stretcher, but was alert. Had a feeling in all extremities. He went to the hospital for evaluation. Denver Bronco players released a statement yesterday to say they will stand for the national anthem this weekend after a majority vote in the locker room this morning. Drew Brees said his Saints will kneel before the anthem but stand for it Sunday at Wembley Stadium. The NBA instituting rules to limit resting players if teams do it for marquee national TV games. They could be fined 100 grand. Multiple players should not be rested for the same game. Players should not be rested on the road. And when players do get a night off, they should be visible in the arena for fan so, interaction. Oh, this is fascinating because yeah. how are you going to find Greg Popovich if he says Kawhi Leonard has a sprained ankle? Right. You can't. <laughs> no. And so that's just what's going to happen. They're just going to fake the injury report for all these guys. And I actually think the, the thing that sticks out the most in all of this is the is you can't rest like multiple guys in one game. Why wouldn't you just get it done with? 
Like, if you're going to rest guys, because it happens where, you know, Leonard and Parker and Ginobili will start a game. Do it in one crappy game against yeah, the Pelicans. Everybody and at then that move game on. gets well, screwed. Too bad. Right. What do you mean too bad? So I'll give you the don't do it on the road thing, but I'd rather, if I'm going to rest guys, give them one all one night off and then play your other, you know, 79 games at full strength. Well, I, I mean, on the road or at home, what they're trying to do is so that if you are if you are going to buy a ticket, everybody's going, you're going to buy a ticket for the home team, hopefully. When LeBron comes in or the Warriors come in, obviously those are, you, you are attracted to the road team. But they're largely saying if you put out your product properly as the home team, you are doing your service to the ticket holders. But the problem is there is no way to police injuries. So right. how could you possibly find these? I mean, is Greg Popovich going to go, yeah, screw you. Kawhi Leonard uh, right. isn't playing. Tony Parker's well, not he playing. He might, actually. <laughs> Popovich well, could. He might. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, he doesn't have to as long as he says uh, he's dealing with flu-like symptoms. I mean, yeah. you could make up anything. No, I think this and the and the draft lottery stuff is, is a waste of time. Well, I, the draft lottery, well, only because it's not going to really prevent yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's a step in the right direction, I would say, because now – what four teams all have the same chances of getting the, three. the, the, the number top one? Three. Okay, the yeah. top three. All so you can't have the number one pick and have or the worst record and have better odds than anybody else who gets right. the number one pick. So that helps a little bit, I would think. Yeah, cause, but I'm I, I think it should just be there should be no lottery. You should just draft in reverse order, and if you're bad, you're bad, and you deserve quote unquote the, the first pick. Well, then Y'all that done? would be tanking. Yeah, I, and I'm okay if you. <laughs> I guess not. If you, <laughs> the only thing you can't do is like lose a game on purpose. You can't be missing shots, throwing the ball out of bounds. You can't do but that. But you can never tell. But if you have a crappy team, so you hope to only win nine games, or you want to draft the next LeBron, I'm okay with that. Are you done? On the tugboat, you have, man. You, you, got you, these have, debates. you have you have more sports update. I, I do. Okay. It's frustrating because we had a chance to pick up a game, and and you know now. It's three with three to go, and, you know, there's still a lot of things that can happen, but it's frustrating. Yes, if they... you get Gary Sanchez to get his big ass down on the ground and block some balls, it won't be frustrating. Say More pass balls than anybody in the history of baseball. For Joe Girardi. Yes. Yankees losing at home to the Rays, 9-6. Up four to one. Four. Count them. One, two, three, four. Four. To such one. A, it's a, such a different weekend if the Yankees win last God. night. Mm. Yes. Such Seven runs. One inning. Sonny Gray. He is the San Gino. Sonny Dark Gray. It's not always Sonny, Sonny in the Bronx. Charcoal? What are, what are you going with here? <laughs> you need to go to break. We have a guest coming up. Okay. Back to you, you guys. You done? Sure, Brett. why not? Yankees lost. Yay. <laughs> no, shut up, Brett McMurphy, when we come back. Check us out on Facebook at Geo and Jones. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. College football insider Brett McMurphy. Brett, how you doing? Welcome to CBS Sports Radio, that is, Geo and Jones. Hey, good morning, guys. Sorry to to mess up the groove. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell. Hey, uh, Brett, we've been discussing what's going on in the basketball world, that big bombshell that dropped the other day, and wondering if uh, there will be any effect on college football. Of course, Urban Meyer came out yesterday on a a radio show there in Columbus and said, 97.1 The Fan, I believe it was, in Columbus, and said that uh, he thinks anyone that lies to the NCAA should be out. There shouldn't be no slap on the wrist. You should be done uh, as far as a coach uh, at the NCAA level. Uh, What say you? You think that some of this may trickle into uh, college football? 
Well, I certainly think it could. It's, since you have the, the FBI involved, it's certainly a, whole, a much different ball game than, than the NCA snooping around. Um, you know, I thought it was kind of telling that, that the U.S. attorney basically said, look, college basketball, we have your playbook. Now, he didn't mention anything about college football, but certainly if, and I'm sure some of that goes on in college football, the thing is, can you prove it? I do think that it's, it happens more frequently in college basketball the way that the AAU model is set up in college basketball, although that's starting to trickle into college football with these seven-on-seven leagues, and you've got these seven-on-seven coaches, which is similar to the AAU. I still think, though, that it's, it's not as bad, it, it, even close to college basketball. But again, they, they put out a phone number for people to call if they have information about any other coaches and certainly they're not going to they're not going to conduct a two or three year investigation to get four assistant coaches they're going for the big fish and those are head coaches and so whether that creeps over into college football we will certainly find out but certainly if any coach college football basketball has been involved in this you've got to be looking over your shoulder worrying that something gets out because this isn't simply well you know you're you're not going to go to a bowl game next year you could go to jail so i think we're going to see a lot more names in the coming weeks and coming months and um, i would not be surprised if if it leaks over to college football certainly not to the extent of the number of people we're going to see dinged in this in college basketball though and since it's not going to affect college football nearly as deeply as college basketball, do you think that's specifically because the sneaker companies don't have that type of influence in the college football landscape? Yeah, that's a, that's another great example. It's it it hasn't again. It's it's hasn't got to that level in college football. Um, I know talking to a lot of talking to a lot of college football coaches. Um, in recent years, they have gotten a little bit more frustrated as far as recruiting because in the past they could deal with the high school coach and and the recruit and the parents. And then now you're you're seeing some of these seven on seven coaches kind of be their their go to person as far as recruiting. Well, that's how it is in basketball. I mean, the, the high school coach is almost totally out of the mix. And you're right, you've got the sneaker companies come in. You don't see that in football. Um, where guys come in to wear shoes as far as college football recruits or high school players. So I don't think that's as prevalent. But certainly you have instances where players have gotten paid in college football, and it's just now can the FBI prove that? And and certainly if they have information, they'll certainly go after after people because they want to get as as many of these individuals as possible. When you you look at college football, and you're right, guys are not walking around in their cleats, so it's more prevalent in basketball. You can wear uh, some sneakers each and every day, LeBron sneakers or Steph Curry's sneakers, and, and, and Rick Neuheisel made this point on our show last night. So while it's not as prevalent because the the, the sneakers are uh, not there at the forefront and something you can use every day, there are apparel deals, and you have guys coming from different socioeconomic situation. So uh, we've known about this underbelly in college basketball, and it's been well known, and it's really uh, a lot of focus on it now with what's going on at Ole Miss. Do uh, you think there could be any connection there? You know, I don't I don't think so. And, I, you know, uh, the one thing that you mentioned that kind of jumped out is, you know, you said that 
we've kind of always known this. And that's why, and I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not going to name any specific people, but when I hear all these people come out and say, I'm shocked this is going on, I have no idea. And these are people that follow the sport. These are people that cover the sport. These are people that comment on the sport on a daily basis, and they interact with these head coaches on a daily basis and say, I'm shocked that this occurred. I can't believe this happened. You know, get your head out of the sand. Everyone knows this has been going on. Um, I don't think, I don't want to give the impression that people then said, well, it's okay, it's going on. I mean, we can debate whether kids should get paid or not. But my point is, in the past, you know, myself and other reporters, you could have information that some of this was going on, but you couldn't get the proof. You could, If you could go to somebody and get them, they would just say, well, no, this didn't happen. So it's a he said, he said story. You can't report that sort of information. Um, but now with the, the FBI, with the wiretaps and the the documents and all the different things they have, then obviously you can prove this stuff. But but for anybody to sit, sit there and say, I'm shocked, I can't believe this is going on, we've got to clean this up, uh, you know, the, they must be very naive to believe this never went on, especially when they're, you know, they're dealing with all these individuals on a daily basis. Brett McMurphy, college football insider, joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. DA filling in for Geo here on Geo and Jones. Which top five team is going on the road this weekend and will have a bigger struggle? USC tonight in Pullman taking on Wazoo or Clemson on the road at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg tomorrow night? You know, I think it – wow, that's a great one. I, I think <laughs> I, I mean, it's weird. I'm going to say USC, but I actually would be less surprised if Clemson lost. But I, I think – I think because everybody's making such a big deal of, of USC and, and how poorly, not how poorly they played, but that we've seen the good, the bad, the ugly from them, <clears throat> excuse me, so far. I mean, they're going to, they're going to Washington State. Washington State's lost 15 consecutive games against uh, Power 5 teams, um, against consecutive, excuse me, ranked teams at home. So you would think Washington State would have a, have an advantage there, but they, they simply have not been able to beat a ranked team at home. So you think, obviously, USC is going to circle this game. Um, the other thing is, you know, who's going to – which Sam Darnold is going to show up? I mean, this is this is a guy that was the Heisman favorite coming in, and he he's not played anything like it. I mean, he the number – he's got nearly as many interceptions through four games as he had all of last season. Can he clean that up? I think because of all the attention being brought to this game, USC will somehow survive. But then you look at Clemson, and Clemson has surpassed all expectations, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised by that. Dabo Sweeney's the only coach in NCAA history to have a team that starts the se- finishes the season ranked higher than they started the season in the AP poll. He's done that six consecutive seasons. They started out the year number five. They're already up to number two. I think what benefits Clemson is because they played so poorly last week against Boston College before waking up in the second half. Um, I think they come out a lot better. And I think Clemson, quite frankly, is the, is the class of the ACC. Now that Florida State's without their starting quarterback, I think there's a huge gap between Clemson and everybody else in the ACC. And for the Pac-12, I actually think Washington will win that league. USC is the only team in the country that plays 
12 consecutive weeks without an off week. They don't get a break during the entire season. So will the Trojans slip up somewhere? It may be this week, maybe somewhere down the road. I don't know, but um, without question, those are the two marquee games of, of this weekend. Uh, Brett, are you believing in what Justin Wilcox is building out there at Cal? He wanted to be there. He had been there previously. Sonny Dykes, of course, was looking for a way out. And now Wilcox goes back home to Eugene where he was born. He played for the Ducks. He has to take on a, a, a team that is looking pretty good as well, although they lost last week on the road at Arizona State with their new coach, Willie Taggart. But Wilcox looks like he's the man for the job to turn Cal around. Absolutely, no question. I mean, you know, last year I don't can't remember a game if Cal actually played defense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's Will Cox especially. And you know, you look at the game last week against USC. I mean, six turnovers in a ten point loss. I mean, yeah, they turn. You got to take turnovers into consideration, but it, you know, teams don't usually turn it over six times. So they very easily could have won that game. They won at North Carolina to open the season. Caroline is a little bit down, um, but then they did knock off an SEC opponent at home. And Oregon is, is proven with Willie Taggart. Um, they're they're a much different team this year. Their offense is off the charts. But Justin Wilcox, I I would say right now, Brian, in the month of September, when you look at the best coaching jobs in the nation, I'd put Jeff Brom at Purdue number one, mm-hmm. and I'd put Justin Wilcox at Cal number two because. What he has done defensively for them has been remarkable, and I don't think before the season anyone had them getting to four or five wins. I do do bowl projections every week at thescore.com, and I've got Cal going to bowl game this year. I think I think they should easily get six wins, but certainly we are going. He's going to be tested on um, these next next five four or five weeks because you got USC, Oregon, Washington, and Washington State in consecutive weeks. If they can somehow get a win somewhere in that in that that string of games, that's going to be huge for them. But still, it's certainly I think not trending up for the for the Golden Bears. Brett McMurphy, College Football Insider. Brett, we appreciate your time, buddy. We're going to get back to partying. Yeah, go ahead. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for man. Thanks, Brett. Brett, good stuff there. I, I believe Wilcox is the guy for the job, as I stated. He wants to be there, unlike uh, their previous coach. And that's not a knock on Sonny Dykes. He just wanted to go elsewhere. He's cat from Texas, like me. And, uh, he it's wanted... a hard job. Yeah, it is a difficult job. Yeah. It was a hard job. I, I, I would agree, but uh, they look like they're trending the right direction. We got more football talk coming up. And, and also, a little sound from some guys taking some shots at me, man. Is that right? I take offense to that. Friendly fire? Yeah, friendly fire. On the tugboat? On the tugboat! Little little shot across the bow! Uh-huh. Gio and Joe's coming right back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 